Welcome to Decades From Home, a podcast about Germany. I'm Nick Houghton of 40percentgerman.com, and as always, I'm joined by our stalwart producer, Simon Josie, to discuss the weird and wonderful side of living in Germany. Uh, sadly, Dilly is out this week, but we have a very worthy substitute ready to step into the breach. It's Sean Behrens. Originally from South Africa, Sean and his wife moved to Germany in 2007. Since then, they've overstayed. They originally planned to live here for just three years, had three kids, become Germans, and bought a house in the Bavarian countryside. Attentive listeners may recognize Sean's voice as he's a serial podcaster, having established a multitude of podcasts since arriving in Germany. So, hello, Sean. Hi, Nick, and hi, Simon. Thank you for having me on your podcast. Oh, yeah, I better say hi to Simon as well. Sorry. Sorry, Simon. Hi. <laughs> Can I, can I, Sean? Hello, Simon. <laughs> yeah, I forgot about you. Um, yeah, so uh, I was, I was, I was struck when I was reading the notes for the show how similar our experience has been uh, in Germany, uh, given the fact that uh, we, we've, we've had children. Both, both had children here. And not with we, each other. No, no, sadly Separately. not. Uh, unlucky. <laughs> um, maybe in the next life. Maybe. Uh, we've both become Germans, and we've both sort of bought houses and now reside in the Bavarian countryside. Mm -hmm. So uh, I feel like we might have some kind of like parallel or, or similar experiences, perhaps. We're going to find out. So it, yeah. it definitely sounds like it. It definitely sounds like it. And, and before we start, I just wanted to say that uh, biography that you just read was pretty impressive because I don't think it's a biography I ever wrote. So I'm assuming <laughs> Simon... Uh, co collected the details and put it together, right? I, I have to give credit to some website that was, oh, some expat website from like 10 years ago or something. That's, okay. that's where I found it. Yeah. Okay, cool. <laughs> yeah. yeah, you. I mean, you uh, You started off, I mean, my first sort of, first time I came across your your podcast and things like that, um, I think it was, uh, is it the German experience? Yeah, where you were the Germany experience. Germany that's experience, right. sorry. Yeah. And you, you were interviewing different people. And I was wondering, uh, do you have any, any tips for this interview? <laughs> <laughs> edit, edit, edit. <laughs> I think we can manage that, Simon. We can manage that, right? <laughs> yeah, I'm just thinking we should have done a pre-interview. That's what Sean usually does. <laughs> yes, I, that's exactly what I used to do. I used to do the interview separately, and then I would record the introduction once I'd, once I'd gone through the whole interview and stuff. But I, I actually think it's, I think it's nicer when you do it live like you guys are doing it. I think it just feels more organic. Yeah, I'd feel uh, the, the sort of British part of me would feel very uncomfortable with pre-interviewing and then mm. telling someone that they're not going to be on the show. <laughs> like, no, nah, you're not really, you're not really a good fit. That happened to me a few times because because it, it's 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 sometimes difficult to find a guest that's that's willing to talk and like what what you need on a podcast is for them to to actually tell stories and stuff like that. But the pre the pre-interviews were a very good way of of figuring that out. Arguably, that's why we should have had a pre-interview with Sean, but I won't say that. <laughs> how dare you, Simon? How, how dare I feel, you? I feel like he's doing okay. Uh, I think we're <laughs> all right. I feel like it would be an imposition more than anything else. <laughs> so yeah, go back to this thing about like parallel lives and everything. You, you were only intending to stay here for three years. So, yeah. uh, so what, what, what changed? Well, when we said three years, I think the plans were very much open. We weren't like definitely set in anything. My, so it was my wife and I. Uh, mm -hmm. We'd gotten married the year before we moved to Germany. We'd made two trips to Europe and we really enjoyed traveling through Europe. But the trip from South Africa to Europe every time is insane. It's like a, a lot of money and it's, it's a 10-hour flight. We, we decided it would be fun to live in Germany and travel, like not Germany specifically, but in Europe and just travel around from a central point and see a bit more of Europe. At the same time, you know, work, working in a different place, we just needed a change from the South African way of life. And also in South Africa, there's, there was a lot of criminality. There still is in South Africa, but uh, we were living in Johannesburg, which was kind of like 
crazy with regards to crime and security and things like that. Yeah, that was that was all the stuff in the back of my mind. And then we moved to Germany with the plan to, first of all, my wife had a job. We moved with her job and I came jobless. And the plan was if I didn't find a job within the first year, then we would have to go back. And luckily, after six months, I was able to get a job and sorted that out. And then, like you said, with a three-year plan, we kind of, as as time went on, we really enjoyed the security, I think, more than anything else compared to Johannesburg. Because in Johannesburg, we were living in a bit of a bubble. So we lived in a townhouse complex, but there was electric fencing around it. There was a security guard at the gate. And every time you went anywhere, you drove somewhere and you went to a shopping mall or you went to see some friends, but then you drove back. So you were kind of like just in this bubble the whole time. And then when you come to Europe, you're walking through the, the Innenstadt of towns and it's 11 o'clock at night, 12 o'clock at night, walking through the city. You couldn't do that in, in South Africa. And it was just that it was a big feeling of freedom for us and just so, sort of feeling like your life was part of other people's lives. It sounds, I don't know if I'm explaining that well, but but compared to that bubble we were living in, um, I think that was probably the biggest thing for us is that just that feeling of security and freedom that we didn't have back in South Africa. Yeah, I mean, it's... Uh, uh... I came from the northeast of England, so it's not really comparable. But um, I do get the vibe of like just general safety, um, especially yeah. when like I was going to pubs and stuff like that. That's definitely something I, I experienced. But um, I remember when I came and I didn't have a job, but I never felt that anxious about it particularly. I'm just wondering, did you have any kind of concerns before arriving? Like you, you come in here to a different country and uh, you, you don't have any employment. Was that something that you were like hyper concerned about? Or is it kind of were you like me, a bit nonchalant, uh, I'll be okay. I, I, it sounds like we're parallel in more ways than one because I was also very nonchalant <laughs> yeah. to the point of where when I got here, I thought maybe I should have thought this through a, bit, a little bit more than I did. Um, I, I was pretty confident in my abilities, but the big thing with me is I didn't have a university degree when I came through. I never, in South Africa, I, I, I was lucky enough to get onto a career path, but I didn't actually have get a university degree at any point. And then I actually progressed through my career path pretty well with not having a degree because it wasn't such a big deal. I, I I did it on merit and I did it on, you know, just like working my way up and working hard. But the thing is, when you come to Germany, I didn't quite realize how important this the, the degree is to finding a job in Germany. Like I said, not a lot of job applications. So like like to answer your question, I was very confident coming over here, but then I started sending out job applications and just not even getting rejections back. I just got nothing. It was just like sending things into the void and I didn't hear anything back. And then, so I think about one month after that, I was playing PlayStation every day. Uh, it, I was just chilling at home. I was exploring the new little village that we were like, new little city that we were staying. We were staying in Schweinfurt at the time, uh, which is a small town, uh, small-ish. I think it's 40,000, 50,000 people living there. So that was fun in the, for the first month or two. And then after that, I started panicking a little and I started getting... Um, I started getting the feeling like, first of all, I wasn't going to find anything, which was fine because we always have the, had the safety net of going back to South Africa. But the the other thing was that I started feeling like I wanted to contribute something to something because like just playing PlayStation every day and going out for walks, I didn't feel like I was doing anything for anyone. And then I started panicking and I, th I got a, got into a bit of a downward spiral. Got I wouldn't say depressed, but I was a bit in a bit of a funk. Mm -hmm. And then somehow uh, I convinced a company a company phoned me back and one of the first ones to to get back to me at all and said can i come to frankfurt for an interview and i pretty much said yes let's do it tomorrow went there the, the interview went well and within a week they'd offered me the job and 
uh, it was just on the merit of me saying, yes, I, I can learn German. And at the time I was studying correspondence as well um, so to get towards my degree. So I, would, I had to kind of promise the employer that I would get the degree at some point. But it was, yeah, it was, it was pretty scary at first, but I was very fortunate that someone took a chance on me. Yeah, I, I do wonder how much like the being unaware, but sort of semi-unprepared, as it were, for, for what's going to happen, whether that is an advantage or a disadvantage. Because I kind of come to think that maybe it's the advantage, not knowing the scale of what you're actually attempting to do. Exactly. It makes you a lot more brave without being brave kind of thing. Mm -hmm. Like, because you, you just don't, I, 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 for me, it was just a case of, I've always been the kind of person like I'll figure the details out when we get there. Like, the, I'm, let's not worry about it now. I'm, I'm actually, it's actually a very bad character flaw in many <laughs> well, it's, ways. It's not great for, for the German kind <laughs> no, of fear of, no, uh, of the unknown no, and no. desire to plan. But I do yeah. feel it gives you a little bit of flexibility. That it, it does, and it and it leads to some interesting experiences. But exactly what you say, Nick, when it comes to Germans. I am the, the the antithesis or or the opposite, let's put it that way, of how Germans work and like where they're very structured and analytical and think think things through. I'm very much the opposite. I'm a big picture person. I'm I'm not bothered with details too much, and that has also resulted in a bit of uh, friction, I would say, with Germans with me getting along with them and them getting along with me. I found though, like even sort of the job that I ended up falling into, they sort of the, the facade was that I, they were very modern and we kind of do. We do quite like um, corporate American kind of ideas uh, integrated and we love new ideas and mm. we're flexible and all. But once you sort of dug down a little bit further into the past that kind of facade, it was became very aware that the management structure was very hierarchical. Yeah. It was very like, do as I say, not as I do. And exactly. uh, and, and you, you wouldn't know that as long as you, you pulled your weight and you, you did what you were told. But if you sort of seem to be making any mistakes or yeah. bending the rules they, they came down on you like a ton of bricks yes, and, and yes. that felt like a very sort of german response it wasn't very sensitive to the the different needs of different employees and things like that that's true and and for for south africans we are very polite and indirect we, you know we're very um we, we, <laughs> another, we're, another commonality excellent <laughs> there we go there we go and, and maybe we should be married in this life i don't know <laughs> but i'll ask my wife i'll see what she says <laughs> and it, it sounds like a setup to some weird sitcom with like expats living together and their kids coming together in the same house in Bavaria. Dilly's already run past her uh, <laughs> idea for a sitcom, which is an apartment block full of foreigners and one with one angry right-wing German person in it. Um, <laughs> but uh, we're, we're, we're currently working on a spec script, but <laughs> we've, got, we've got a possible another thing to try and sell to Netflix now. <laughs> I, I was just thinking, Sean, that given your uh, slack with the details and all these very non-German characteristics. Why have you not been sort of marched out of the country yet? That's what I'm wondering. <laughs> <laughs> I think it's been close a few times, but uh, I, I, I don't know, Simon. I think it's a good question. I think I've always been able to find myself a spot that fits me pretty well. What I will say is I'm also pretty adaptable and flexible. Like I, I can adapt very easily to a situation. I can deal with a lot of different kinds of people. So I think that's helped me as well to kind of fit into situations where I've been. And I, I bring a lot of things to the table that that uh, that worked for my first company in, in Germany was a big multinational company. So it was also a lot of international people. And that helped because I, I could also bring people together. I'm a very gregarious, open kind of guy. So I was able to bring a lot of people together and, uh, and and make connections with those international people. And I think that was also valued by the Germans like in, in different ways, like being a team player, bringing teams together and stuff like that. Um, 
yeah. So I think I think the things that maybe were problematic with how I work and 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 my work ethic, which is I think I'm pretty good with my work ethic, but it's not a, it's not the same kind of work ethic as Germans have. That was negated or or yeah, I was able to make up for it and compensate in other ways with what I could bring to teams. It's one of those things where you know you know you're working for a good employer when they they utilize those kinds of skills that yeah. they know other colleagues yes. in the department might not have, and I think. When you've got a, certainly the big corporate structures, obviously there's a lot of different nationalities working in those structures. But in the middle stand, you, you sort of come across this a lot, where you've, you you might have English speakers or um, Chinese speakers or or whatever, like people with different language skills, and they don't really know how to utilize that skill set, or they don't know how to utilize their like. I don't want to use the wanky term soft skills, but I feel like yeah. I'm coming towards it rapidly. <laughs> um, but you know, like the, these these skill sets that that, that maybe come from having lived in a different culture absolutely and, yeah. and it always shocks me when when i'd go into companies and you'd have these people who th sort of thought differently and they were being almost punished for for having the temerity to do things in a different way and i said oh god and i always enjoyed it when you found companies where there would be a manager who just was like yeah okay maybe they don't work the same in the same kind of way or they don't approach things in the same way or they don't give presentations in the same way but there's value in that as well finding ways to utilize it yeah and it, it depends on the managers and, and you do, like you said, you do you do come across some people who understand that and, and are able to work with that. Um, but I've also, during my time on the Germany experience and interviewing different people, there are, there are also foreigners who land up in quite the opposite situation where it's very old-fashioned and uh, Z, like everyone uh, is formal, uses the formal you with each other in German. Uh, that I've never done that in a job. It's always been on a do basis, uh, even even up to the CEO level. Okay, in my first company, not in the, the CEO, we used to have to uh, Z, Z, UZ with him. But for everyone else, it's always been like a, on a very informal basis. But I, I know of foreigners who've ended up in a very old-fashioned, hierarchical, conservative in terms of corporate culture environments and it's not good for 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 a lot of foreigners in those environments it can actually it completely uh, destroys their german experience or, or their experience of being an expat or a foreigner in germany yeah i mean i, f I feel relatively lucky because I, I went into a small company where you didn't have kind of the tensions like we were three people at one point that was like me and two bosses basically yeah. um and it felt like a very you felt the flexibility, you felt the sort of teamwork there, and it was like a kind of a really nice experience. But as the company got bigger and bigger, it became less and less of that yeah. sort of vibe. But the sort of thing I always think about is I've been incredibly lucky because I, I did teaching, and that's the, the I went into sort of business English, and now I'm working at university. It doesn't really change. I went straight from university into kind of into teaching, and uh, then, then working at a university, you kind of have those holidays are the sort of same, and the rhythm of the year is kind of the same. and like you don't have tensions. We ne I've never had tensions with other. Like I think it was something Nina said about on your podcast recently about taking a half day after the Super Bowl. That was yes. it. And, and yeah. she said that because um, you were obviously surprised that she watched the entire Super Bowl. It finished like four thirty, and she worked in the afternoon. And she said something about like, uh, "Oh, there's there's always a bit of tension because I take that day off." Yeah, um, exactly. And I said, "Oh, like again, it's just something I've never, I never like. I've had stress from bosses because I take days off because." bosses some bosses are assholes about that kind of stuff yeah. but it was never like and I sort of realized oh I'm quite lucky to to not have to have those tensions and those issues where you're working in big companies and I think that's that really does change that it does whole, whole experience of, of living in Germany absolutely um, it absolutely does it's sort of like adding more people makes it worse maybe I don't know <laughs> but, 
but um, it brings me to the question I wanted to ask, which is kind of about this this question of perseverance. And I, I'm wondering, like, obviously you you you've stayed here a long time, and I'm kind of wondering how much perseverance is an important part of like living in a in, in Germany in particular, but like in, in a different country, and and, and whether that's a, a kind of laudable skill or, or ability to have to sort of be patient and and accept that things are going to come to you in time and, and, and instead of just arrive um, yeah. as soon as you start work i think uh, yeah perseverance is, imp is is important but i've always struggled with the fact i think it's also important for some foreigners to realize that it's time to go home you know what i mean like it's very it's very dependent on the situation and i've always struggled to say like when should per perseverance stop and reality take over? It's very difficult to say because sometimes if you push through a situation like you've got a bad job or you're not finding a job or something like that and you just give it three months, something changes, the manager changes or you change jobs or you find something else or, or something comes up and then it's completely different and it changes your whole experience. But it could be that you you, you spend another year and a half here and and, and nothing changes, nothing fixes it. And I've, I also think it's, it's too easy to say, yeah, you just got to be positive. You got to persevere and everything. I feel, yeah, you do have to have those things. But at the same time, some people just have bad luck. <laughs> you know, sometimes it's just a, a shitty situation that you're you're in and and you got to take action to get yourself out for your mental health or whatever it is. So it's difficult. It's difficult to answer. For me, it was a case of, like I said, I've always been adaptable. So I, I've, I think adaptability would be more than perseverance um, for me. But there were times, of course, when I felt like, with learning German, I wasn't making enough progress. I, I wasn't understanding people even after like four or five years. You know what? Even after 16 years, I've been in Germany for 16 years and I still get lost in conversation sometimes or or I don't understand something that Germans tell me. Like they tell me a story or something and I just I walk away. I'm like, I have no, no idea what we just spoke about. Um, and it's it bothers me obviously to a lesser degree now, but that, that did bother me. And it would have, there was a point in time where it would have been easier to go home and where I thought about it. Um, but then you, you kind of reach that tipping point. Uh, like you said, if you persevere or push through, at least for me, where it became easier to stay than, than to go. Mm. Yeah, it's, I, I think it's a, it's a tough one, isn't it? Because mm. I've known people who are clearly having a, a hard time of it. But yeah. no one ever thinks to say, have you thought of just packing it in and home. moving it? Yeah. Like, um, it, feels like, it feels so counterintuitive um, yeah. to a point where I'd be like nervous just to say that to, to, to someone. <laughs> have you have you have you said that to, to anyone? Have I, you said, I, "Oh, that's the in a roundabout way." Obviously, I'm sure you're not going to wade in. <laughs> yeah, like, hey, go home. <laughs> Why don't you just yeah. go home? <laughs> if you're not happy here, go home. No, yeah. I, I don't know if I've ever ever given that advice directly, but I've seen situations where I thought to myself, maybe this person needs to to pack it in now because they're. You, I, I think sometimes foreigners can be in a really depressed state because of the weather combined with a bad situation, combined with not making friends and feeling isolated and stuff. And maybe the answer is for that that really bad state could be to go back home. I don't know. It's it, it's very dependent on the people, and uh, there is there is something to be said about persevering through it. And 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 you never know when th when something changes. But man, it's 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 really difficult to answer that. Yeah. Yeah. For sure. Do you remember when you when did the day arrive when you felt like you were winning at Germany? I mean, how many how long did it take before you got to that point? I think when I started making more German friends, because in the beginning it was it was very difficult to make real German friends, and then I made one or two, and then and then it was it started becoming easier just to kind of make friends with them and hang out with them. That was it. But I also remember a specific uh, time where I gave a presentation in German at at work. 
And at the end of the presentation, like I was proposing something new and everyone knocked on the table. Like, you know, the, the Germans have this weird, <laughs> weird habit, which freaks me out to this day when, they, when they're applauding oh, something. It. They just knock on a table to applaud. And I'm like, yeah, okay. But, but the day that happened after my presentation in German, which I know was in pretty still to German, but it, it was still in German. And this room full of my peers like applauded the presentation and uh, it was a tough room as well. That was the day I walked out. I'm like, wow, this could work. This this could actually work a job in Germany and living here and, and everything. So I think that was a big, in my mind, a big um, a milestone. And was that just last week or was that, you know? <laughs> yeah, it was yesterday. <laughs> 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 yeah, it, it was, I think it was probably about three to four years into my stay. But maybe what what was the biggest thing for us staying to come back to your original question Nick uh, is that we had a kid after three years of being here and the the idea for us was to have a child here because of better healthcare and stuff like Mm -hmm. that and then of course when you have a kid here you become almost immediately more settled I would say at least Mm -hmm. at least for me I did I don't know what your experience was Nick but uh, I mean we had uh, we had a kid after I'd, I'd lived here for almost 10 years so it was kind of like I'd passed the point of, of even considering kind of going back. Mm. Um, yeah, no, it, it, there is that, that that situation where you feel like, oh, right now, now I'm, I'm there's roots, and yeah. you sort of feel it. You really do. One of the things, the signals for me that that was happening was obviously getting getting a house and moving into the countryside, and that mm-hmm. hopefully leads me to my next question, which is rather to do with the, the culture shock that you might have experienced moving to the Bavarian countryside. Was it a big? <laughs> uh, was it a big change for you? Uh, yeah. Yeah, and not a change I think I could have made earlier on in my stay in Germany. It was a case of we also weren't intending to move to the countryside. It wasn't something we had in my mind in our minds. My wife and I are very much city folk. We still are, um, and we really loved. As I said earlier, we love being in the, the 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 cities. Literally on an evening like you just say, "Hey, it's ten o'clock at night, but let's go and see if we can find a place to have a burger or or grab an ice cream or a beer or something." And we really like that lifestyle. So we 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 when it came time to buy a house. We started looking in the cities and that was very brief uh, because we realized how much money you have to give for a very small place. And then we started looking sort of on the, the city, the, they call it the Stadt, Stadtrand, I think it's called, um, yeah, yeah. sort of the, the, the areas around the city. Mm-hmm. Uh, and those were, were also pretty expensive and gone pretty quickly. Like I went to a few house uh, viewings where we walked in and the people were already there with uh, notar- notar- notary uh, term- uh, appointments. God, my, my English is terrible. I'm saying all these German <laughs> words in between. <laughs> but there were people with lawyer appointments already yeah. uh, to, 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 to take the house. If, and, and we just had no chance. So then I thought, okay, we, we have to look a little further away. And then we found this house that we bought now. And we saw that it was per- checked all of our boxes. But I just said to my wife, there's no way we could live so deep in the Franconian countryside. It's just, it's not going to work. But we went to see the house anyway, um, just because we wanted to see what a house that does check all our boxes looks like. And we we stepped in the door and literally somehow the moment we stepped in the house, we were like, wow, this feels like home. This really, f- it just felt like home. And then we started making some compromises and we said, okay, there's there's no barn off within 20 kilometers. Okay, we, we will need a second car. And then we were thinking about different things and, and making friends, how, how easy is it going to be? Um, but in the end, we just decided, let's try it. And we did. And yeah, the culture shock, I think, was, wasn't was too bad because we'd been in Germany for 10 years. We'd also been living in Franconia. So I could also understand 
Marjani, the Franconian dialect. That's <laughs> yeah, uh, a challenge, right? It's a challenge. It's a real <laughs> challenge. Yeah. And I still don't fully understand it, but but you, you kind of adapt and, and, and learn to hear what they're saying. And we were lucky enough to meet some friends through the kindergarten almost immediately. We signed our daughter up before we moved and we met a very, a very nice uh, family that was also moving at the same time. And the funny thing was, is she comes from North Germany, so the Hamburg, Hanover area of, of Germany. And she she's a, she feels as much of an Auslander here in this village <laughs> yeah. as I do. Like it's yeah. literally to the people here. It doesn't matter if you come from South Africa or from Hamburg, you're still <laughs> an outsider here. You know what I mean? So we, we, we it was good to have that family with to share our experiences and, and 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 go through it at the same time. So that helped immensely as well with the adapting. Yeah, I had uh, we were in my wife's home village at the weekend, and we were doing we we're chopping wood. We were hot as one does. Yeah, you know, it's just what you do this time of year. It's the wood chopping phase. Yeah. But um, we, we had some help from uh, a local farmer who knows the family. And uh, I'd met him a couple of times, but it's the first time I'd got chatting to him. And he turned to me, like, as we're, we're doing the work, and he says, uh, how, come, uh, how come you've got an American accent? And I was like, <laughs> I, I don't think I do. And I was like, oh, and I sort of made, I did that polite thing of just like, kind of going with it. Yeah. Like, yes, yeah, yes, anding him all the way through. Just going, yeah. <laughs> well, you know, it could be for a variety of reasons, you know, and sort of having this chat and with this sort of broad Schwabian accent. And then um, I turned to my brother-in-law and I was like, oh, he reckons I've got an American accent. And he said, yeah, I think what he just means is you have a foreign accent. <laughs> it doesn't matter where from, it's just American. <laughs> it's just like, because it, it was, you could tell that my vowel yeah. sounds yeah. were, and and he could sort of, we definitely knew that I was an English speaker, but yeah. he just, he just, he sort of made assumptions and it's not the first time someone said, are you American? But yeah. I just thought it was really funny. But, <laughs> um, I'm just going to ask it because this is something I've been thinking about a lot, like making friends with other people, especially through the kindergarten is something that I've, I've not, I'm, I wouldn't say I've, I've blocked in any way, but I'm kind of reticent to make friends with other parents i've maybe, I've maybe got a high fluting idea of my own importance probably <laughs> but um but yeah i don't know is it is i mean it, ha, we have kids and you move to a small village and you you kind of when you've got small kids you generally don't have a lot of time to do a lot of things anyway yeah but how important especially when you've got kids is are those social networks do you think and, and how difficult obviously not that difficult but how difficult was it for you to build yeah i think it was difficult and um, like i said we had that one family in the beginning that we could that we bonded with and we had there as as sort of mutual support the the rest of them you you meet you meet parents at the kindergarten for example and it's it's good for play dates and and you know spending an afternoon in cafe and kuchen together mm. and 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 things like that but as while the kids play but you don't really make deep friends with them. It's not like they're now suddenly going to be inviting you to dinner or, uh, you know, like to the family birthday mm. parties or anything like that. Because what I found in the German countryside, in the Franconian countryside here, is that everyone's already got their circles of friends. And a lot of them have been together since primary school or since kindergarten here as well. So they've grown up together and that's their friends group. It's very like closed friends group. And then why, you know, why would they want to spend time with, with people outside. It's not it's not like that they're being horrible or anything like that. It's just that it's just extra time. Like you said, you've already you've got kids, you've got, already got limited time. There's no need to bring in new people into your friend circle, especially people who might not be understanding the German all the time or or speaking that well. So I think from that perspective it's very 
difficult at first, at least it was for us. Um, but but if you find the right people, like just as a bit of luck or whatever, you you, you find the right people. Like in in our village, it just happened that one of the one of the people, new people that moved to our um, new area that, that that they built up, uh, he worked at the same company as I did, and so we we kind of became colleagues and then or, and friends at work, and then that kind of came back to our village here, and now we're playing playing a band together, for example. <laughs> so it, it's it happens in different ways. I think the kindergarten yeah. is one possibility, but it's not guaranteed to work, and it, did, it definitely didn't work for us at first. I think it was a very slow process. And eventually, once you've been around for a while, I think it's a good it's a good way to meet, at least to have contact and a potential to spark a new friendship. Um, but yeah, like you say, Nick, it is also kind of it is kind of a difficult way to make friends. So we've got friends who who my wife has known this this woman for all her life basically, and and we, we, so they live quite close by, and I'm very good friends with her the, the the husband, and like it's good dynamic, and they're the people that were maybe like I'll go watch football with him or. Mm. We'll, well, we'll do the cafe and cooking thing when we have time and, and our schedule sort of match and things like that and, and enjoy it. And it's great, great time and, and, and all that stuff. But in the back of my head, I'm always like, I'd rather be doing this in a pub, you know, like, <laughs> so like, you know, that kind of vibe of like, oh, like this is nice and everything, but I find it very, I can find those sort of experiences, the cafe and cooking thing quite t tedious. I'm yeah. like, how long can I engage in polite German small talk? I think and, the word you're looking for, Nick, is growing up. I'm not, I'm like, is it is it though is it just like is it just yeah, it is. kind of descend descending into mediocrity yeah. that's what i'm concerned about <laughs> but but i think it's i think it's two it's it's definitely different scenarios for me because like i definitely have those friends that are only mm. hanging out with family like the only we, we, we're not going to hang out like just the guy and me like separately drinking uh, over an evening be because the way that we've kind of formed our friendship is it is those play dates it's going over to their house for maybe a barbecue while the kids play in the garden and it's it's a very family orientated affair and then and then I've got other friends that I've made here in the village but also at work and I think work is actually the primary way of, of making friends in Germany um mm. Then I have a separate group of friends who are for going out and for hanging out and, and maybe for like burying my soul and my deepest darkest secrets too. Um, so there's different like kind of different levels of friends for me and different ones. But I agree with you, the 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 cafe and kuchen thing, the, the whatever, it's, it is so tedious. The kids' birthday parties, I hate, those are the worst. Those are the fucking worst. We haven't had one yet. We've, oh my, my daughter's God. birthday's those coming up worst. at the end of next month and we're hosting our own birthday party. <laughs> And I'm just like, I, like I'm kind of like, well, what can we do with the adults if they come and yeah. like give, give them something that they're like, yeah. so it's not, it's not such a, 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 like a boring experience. Exactly. Do you know what I found worked very well with that actually? Uh, and if, uh, it was people that did it here in the village first. And then we, we stole the idea for our kid's birthday party is that we had the birthday party for like two, two hours. And then we said, when it's over, the other the other parents can come with and maybe bring their own kids if they wanted to. But but then it, it was drinks afterwards. So we had like they had the, the one that we went to. They made like a chili con carne, and then after the kids' birthday party officially ended, everyone was there and we had drinks. And it ended up going until ten o'clock at night. So it was mm. it ended up being a bit of a an adult party if you want to say afterwards. And the kids had a great time because they could carry on playing. And then we did it here too. Uh, after the birthday party, we had uh, we had some drinks and stuff, and that was pretty cool. The the people who stay till ten are the people who are like oh they're they're the ones I want to spend time with. Yes. Like the people who go oh exactly. you know it's eight o'clock it's getting a bit late you know mm, <laughs> not sure about you lot you know you're welcome to leave. <laughs> so so Sean I was just wondering have you have you thought of joining any like voluntary organisations or <laughs> you know in, um, in the in the in the dwarf there. So the great thing about dwarfs is a lot of farines uh, so a lot of 
this is like what do you, what is a Ferrari in English? It's a club, basically club. club. Um, but of course, Germans take it to the next level. And it's very bureaucratic, and you've got to sign up, and you've got to be on the list. And I don't know what. And everyone has to shake hands when you come in the yeah. door. And, yeah. <laughs> shake hands, and then they have their events, and they have a treasurer. Oh god! It's, it's, but anyway, the, if, if you're not got a treasurer, uh, it, what are you doing? Yeah, you know? you're not a Ferrari <laughs> if you don't have a treasurer. Otherwise, you're just lame. Um, and so, and but of course, the biggest is usually the Freiwillige Feuerwehr. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, no, I'm not, I'm not big on the idea of Vereins or, or whatever. Um, so you haven't spent much time with the, uh, the free, <laughs> the, the, the voluntary fire brigade in your little dwarf there. <laughs> Leading the witness, your honor. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I feel like, like so when, Simon, when Simon sort of mentioned this, I was like, I'm neat. I'm not, I don't want to know anything. So, so I'm desperate for him to find so, out what the hell this all so, means. So what Simon is referring to is a story I told on the podcast with, uh, I have a podcast with Nina called Everyday Germany. And everyday Germany, we also discuss sort of like our, our everyday life in Germany. And Nina's a German, and she also comes from a small town, and I'm obviously a foreigner. And uh, so the what <laughs> we have in our house here, Kachelofen, uh, a masonry oven. And it's pretty big. It's like a big thing, and it heats the, the place really well. But for some reason, one day, something was blocking the... The, the, the outlet, the chimney outlet. So I was at work and my wife lit the fire and within a few minutes, the whole place had been smoked up. So so the fire alarm started going off and then my wife phoned the fire brigade and then they said like, okay, yeah, get the kids out of the house. You get out of the house and they're going to be here in a minute. And of course then, like my wife alerted me and I, I was flying home. And I've never driven that fast through back roads before. It was incredible. I was flying down these back roads to get from Nuremberg home I didn't want to take the older one because it would take too long. And I was just, uh, it, was, it was quite a fun experience to drive that fast. But anyway, I, fl- I basically flew home and I had in my mind, yeah, okay, like the the, the fire marshal's going to come. So I had a picture of just like them bringing maybe maybe one pickup truck or something like that. I came home and I, d- I drove around the corner to my street. They had two fire trucks, two fire trucks. I didn't realize nice. this. They, they, they deploy, they deploy when they deploy their fire people. They had two fire trucks. And they had an ambulance was here and two policemen were standing in my garden because it was obligatory when there's some kind of fire emergency that they're there to make sure there's no arson or that everything's being done. They were just standing in my garden, just like two police officers standing in my garden. I'm like, what's going on? And the entire village was here because it, like, I don't know how many people they have in the <laughs> Of course fire, they are, rubbernecking. <laughs> yeah. well, well, there was, there was that, but, but just with the Freiwillige Feuerwehr alone, I think there was about 30 people here, 30 people and like young kids, people down, one of the guys lives in my street, like literally down the street. They they set off the alarm. He didn't realize it was my house. He went all the way down to the fire station, got dressed, got into the truck and drove back to, to our street. He's like, what? And then, um, so, so my neighbors were here. There were at least three of my neighbors. Um, we had a conglomeration of them. And then of course, suddenly everybody's out doing evening walks, like people you've never seen. Yeah, yeah. Walk like suddenly for, on a walk on a walk. Everybody knew about this emergency. The, the guy turns up selling sausages. <laughs> you know what? <laughs> suddenly there's like a donut bargain outside. What the fuck is going on? <laughs> so it was extremely embarrassing because I mean, it, it turned out there was a, a valid blockage in our thing, so it could have been a lot worse. It, it was a truly a dangerous situation. It was lucky yeah, that, totally. that my wife got out in time with the kids and and everything. And then eventually they were able to clear the blockage and the, the, the like the smoke pretty much exploded out of our chimney and stuff. But it was a big dramatic thing and the kids were all excited, but of course it's also a bit of stress for them as well. And mm-hmm. But at the same time, I would say 
it, it was embarrassing, but we we it, we got so much support from people that we barely knew, and some people like other parents here, like uh, people were offering to look after our kids while we sorted things out here at home. And another thing is we like everything was smoked out. So it smelt of really badly of smoke afterwards when we got like clean, clean everything up. So we had to wash the curtains and the carpets, uh, carpets we had oh, to throw no. away and everything. The sofa yeah. was like, it's, we only got rid of it. I think two months ago, it was still smelling of smoke. Everything was smoked out, but it, it, it was amazing. People down the road offered to take our, our curtains and they didn't take no for an answer to, to wash, the, to, to, you know, to do the laundry for it with our mm -hmm. curtains and, the, the linen and everything like that. So it was, in, it was an incredible experience as well with how people came together to help. But it was also extremely embarrassing that the entire village. And then, and then like you would, I, I would go down and I'd see some, someone that I like hadn't been part of it that I thought. And he's like, you, I heard you guys had a bit of a fire emergency on that. And I'm like, oh my God, I'm never going to, this is going to be forever and ever. And then they put it on their website. So they had like, on on the Freiwilliger Feuerwehr website, they have like <laughs> Einsatz number one hundred and thirty two for this year. <laughs> There's like yeah, my fucking yeah, house. <laughs> Success, we've made it. No, yeah, no, but it's like it's lovely that. I mean, it's there's a, a lovely aspect to it. Yeah, I was thinking though that uh, do you not have the Kamin carer that like turns up? We do, we do, and yeah. I don't. So and and this is where things also. It's not a, it's not exactly clear to me what the problem was, because mm. we had the guy come afterwards. He, they come regularly. They do check the chimneys, and I don't know how it was missed. I don't know if it was something that developed after the last time he had been. But they usually come here. It's about I don't know April or May or something. It's it's earlyish in the year. But but they usually check it once. They do check it once a year, and they check everything. And I guess it was just something that was sort of in the bottom of it that they, they they probably missed when they were when when they were checking everything. I don't know. Um it was explained to me by the the, the chimney sweep guy that he came afterwards and cleared cleaned everything up and he explained to me something in Frankish, Franconian, but I have <laughs> it's no idea. To me so many times. I have no idea. <laughs> I have no idea. And and I, I asked him and there's only so many times you can ask a person to repeat themselves. You know what I mean? Yeah. And then yeah. like by the third time of him repeating it in different words and I'm still like Oh, yeah. I'm still not getting this. Then it's time to say, all right, smi smile, okay, all right. And then smile, nod, and look like you know what's going <laughs> exactly, on. Exactly. Yeah. And then off you go. That happens every time the chimney sweep comes to our house. And they never, they never, they never tell you they're coming. They're like, they're probably Mary Poppins their way into your home. They just sort of appear. And they're like, it's the same guy. So I know he just knocks on the door. And then I'm like, all right, I guess you're coming in to check the, the house, yeah. you know, and off he, off he goes. <laughs> and he'll be having full conversations with us in Schwabish. Yeah. And I'll get maybe 35% of it. Enough to know where to laugh. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Or when he's talking seriously, you yeah, know, you and do, like, oh, you, nod, yeah. You definitely learn to see those cues of like when they've said something funny and you're like, ha, <laughs> mm, Yeah. I, half the time, I don't know if I speak German or I just know I've just got really good timing. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> just, is that what's going on? But yeah, it's really, really funny. Yeah. But I mean, it's one of those things you just don't expect. No one prepares you for that before moving to Germany. Like, oh, by the way, if you probably have a fire, like a fireplace in your house. And every every sort of eight months, yeah. some some bloke's going to turn up yeah. and communicate with you in a language you really don't understand, even if you've been learning it for decades. You know, and there's and there's times where people knock up rock about our door as well, and I'm not I've turned them away because I actually am not sure if it's legitimate yeah, yeah, yeah. or not. Like, definitely, don't and yeah. and I definitely recommend that to people because so, like sometimes they come and they say they're from the telecom and they need to do something. I'm like I don't like I th I think I need to hear from telecom if you need to do something. And and another time they came to change the water reader, but I really didn't understand the guy at all. It was only when the second guy came and explained to me in like less Franconian dialect uh, that I got what they were trying to do. But yeah, it's, it it happens. Like people rock up your door sometimes, and you don't know is this a scam, is this legit, or like what's what's this about? 
Yeah, I mean, I had one a few a few months ago, and just knock at the door, and it was this old bloke, and I, I had no idea what he was saying yeah. at all. Yeah, um, and he sort of talked, speaking to us, and I was like, "Well, this is this is troubling." And my wife appeared, and uh, had a conversation with a very broad Swabian conversation, and then uh, she closed the door, and I was like, "Well, what was all that about?" And she said, "Oh, he's trying to sell you potatoes." <laughs> I was like, "What the fuck?" <laughs> I was like, did we get any? She's like, yeah, I've ordered some. We're getting some next week. I was like, right, great. This is fantastic. Glad that worked out. Yeah. Because he used, he used a word that, I think it's the Austrian word for erdapfel, I think is what okay. it is. Like okay. potatoes. All right. And and so I knew it was potato-based, the conversation. I just didn't know what and to what end it was being being sort of communicated. But yeah, very confusing. Yeah. In those situations. It's amazing that those situations still happen even so long after being in Germany. It's, it still <laughs> happen. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, I mean, it's sort of those experiences um, have do tend to shape you somewhat. And I'm just yeah. wondering how how much has has Germany overall kind of changed you, and uh, does it does it shock your friends and family uh, when you go back to South Africa? It, it does. I think I've definitely become a more analytical person than I was when I when I got here. And by that I mean I'm still completely chaotic, but I'm I've become <laughs> less chaotic than before. <laughs> Like, it's noticeable, yeah. Yeah, it's noticeable. Like I, I do do things that I wouldn't have done before, and and I'm more structured than I would have been before. And it bothers me sometimes because I also don't like I don't want to become completely Germanized, but it, it'll never happen. It's just not something that'll happen with me. The the other thing is that when I go back home, I said earlier that South Africans are very indirect and very polite. So we we'll formulate things like if we want to ask someone to close the window, we just say, "Would you mind, perhaps." Closing the window, where it's like almost sounds like a suggestion if you you don't have to do it, but the South Africans actually telling you you should close the close the window. You know what I mean? Yeah, have lots window. of modal verbs. That's what you exactly. want. Exactly, yeah, yeah. <laughs> exactly. It's very confusing, but of course now that I've been in Germany for so long, when I go back, I say what I mean. Like it's no more that. And my brother actually told me in the last time I was back there, he said you've become so aggressive since being in Germany, and I was like, I don't think I've become aggressive or whatever. I just think it's a fact of being more direct and not beating around the bush and not being so super polite about things because you don't have to be. You just you're asking for something like just ask for it directly, kind of thing. So I think that's something they've noticed. Yeah. I th- Anytime we talk about politics, I get very direct. Mm-hmm. Like on every other instance, like so, some of us talk about politics, and I give my opinion, yeah. and then there's like a, a, a just a paused, like shocked silence, <laughs> and I'm like, "What did I say?" <laughs> you know, yeah. just offered my opinion is all. <laughs> that's all. Yeah. So I think it's it's something that's definitely noticeable for family and friends when you when you go back. Just the way that you change, how you socialize, how you work off social cues, and everything. It, it it has to change when you've been any amount of time in a different culture. I think. Do you have like particularly German habits though? Like other than the communication aspect of like little things that you do and that you're like, Ooh. Yeah, I think like I like like I've noticed myself when it's time to go, when 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 you've been visiting someone and it's time to go and you like kind of slap your knees and you go, so <laughs> And I'm like, what the fuck's happened to me? Like, what is what is going on right now? Um, that is something like little things like that. I think little mannerisms that I've picked up from the Germans and this 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 way of go, always going order. Uh, uh, yeah, the, order. The, I can't help it. Yeah, yeah, it's always at the end of a question. And, uh, question tag. And mm. yeah, <laughs> and when I speak to people in English, I go like, we're gonna do that or. So it's just like these little mannerisms and and little uh, things that have crept in over time. Mm. You mentioned the uh, the the sort of language learning point um, earlier, um, and I'm curious. You've you've obviously got your kids at home. I'm just wondering what we we speak a mix of kind of German and English mm-hmm. in, in, at home. I'm just wondering if it's something similar for you. Obviously, you've got uh, maybe three languages that you can play around with. Yeah. Do you do you find that you're kind of communicating in a 
mad combination of different languages or is it one day or do you have any kind of organization for that? Yeah, so so my wife is also South African, so we and we, she's also an English speaking South African. So we both English uh, uh, native speakers, and we've only ever spoken English at home, even with the kids. It's only been one language, and that's something we read quite a long time ago. I think when we were having our son, our first kid, when when my wife was still pregnant, we read a lot of books about how to do it, and they just said, "Speak your native tongue to your child." Um, in our case, it's easier because it's one like one native tongue from both of us. Um, and then they will learn the German elsewhere. And that is that has been the case. That has definitely been the case when the time came for them to go to Kripa or, and into kindergarten and then sh- and into school. They learned German at an alarming rate. Like where it was, I was nervous for the first few months of all of the kids going. And by six months in, they were already sort of mixing the languages a bit. And after a year, fluent German, and not just German, but Franconian as well, which is horrific. Because there's going to come a time where I'm not going to understand my kids. They're going to be talking to me in Franconian. I'm going to go, well, I don't know what you're talking about, but I'll get out of my house, please. I think it's time that we moved I on. I think I reached that about a year and a half ago, <laughs> and my daughter started using Sogar in a sentence. I and I was like, holy shit, she's already advanced past where I am. Yeah, <laughs> I was like, exactly. oh. So it was, wasn't the word she used to, unbedingt, I think it was. I think that's the, like, absolutely. And I was yeah. just like, oh, God, I'm going to have to. I'm like, I'm, I'm like a week ahead of her German, just constantly trying to catch yeah, her. Yeah. It's, yeah. It's like I can't remember exactly how I phrase it, but but my eight year old is is now my official German teacher because I can't say a sentence in German uh, without her correcting me, and and then I make a joke with people and say like, yeah, she's my Deutsche Lehrerin, and she's like Deutschlehrerin. I'm like, okay, shut up. <laughs> yeah, shut up. That's enough. <laughs> but but it's also incredible because they they play with other kids in German, and mm. what's happened is like like I said, we've got one language at home, and then the ki- they come home and, and what's happened with my two girls is they play a lot together. The four year old and the eight-year-old and they've started playing with each other in German and that is that is mind-blowing to me because they're just so used to playing with other kids in German that when they play with each other that's now becoming the language they use with each other and it was very interesting to see how quickly that happened and how that how that is going and then they they instantly switch when I'm in the room if I, and I say something it's back to English and we're, we're talking in English so it's clear that they their language with with uh, my wife and me is English and then they can switch back to German and that's becoming their their uh, their language, which is very interesting. Oh, that's probably wild. It is wild watching yeah. kids like acquire yeah, language. It is. For sure. Um, just just highlight the glaring holes in my <laughs> in my vocabulary. Yeah. Um, I do enjoy it. I like I'll, I'll say a word and I'm like, ah oh, like to my daughter, I'll be like, what what what's that word in German? And she'll tell us and I'm like, ah, oh. <laughs> Yeah, I'm a good parent. I think <laughs> I done right. Is this good? I done good. Is this good parenting? I think it's good parenting. We'll see. We'll find out. Who knows? <laughs> no, no one's gonna. No one's gonna judge me. Surely. <laughs> so, um, Sean, like I think Nick was saying earlier, you've been a, a serial podcaster. Were you obsessed with radio as a kid? I was very obsessed with radio as a kid. I've always had a very, very deep love for music from a very, very young age. And it started with, with my, my mother's records when I was a kid, like the old Elvis Presley, whatever records. And then of course, when then radio, I used to listen to radio all the time as a kid. And then I used to pretend to be a radio DJ when I was, like I was a very weird kid as a, when I was growing. I was very sort of introverted and, and, and shy. And then I would in my, like I would have these fantasies where I would pretend to be a radio DJ and hosting a radio show and playing things. And I think that's a lot of where my love for audio came in. Um, because I've always, I've, we were, we were speaking before we started recording here about the differences between video and like YouTube shows and podcasts. And for me, podcasts, 
is so much more intimate because of the audio aspect. It's like you've got people in your ears. You, you're, you're having to picture the, you know, picture, picture the people. Your imagination is playing more of a role. It's just far more intimate and uh, engaging experience. I've, I find myself when I watch YouTube videos, I skip forward a little bit and or I get bored watching or I, or I realize I've drifted off while I'm watching. But when I'm listening to podcasts that I really like, I stay engaged and it's, it, you know, it's, it's, I, I'm part of the conversation. And that's always been the case for me for radio. And that's, I think, why I, I wanted to start a, a, a radio station or, or be a radio DJ. And then later in life, I realized, hey, I could actually do this podcast thing. Because I'd, I'd been listening to podcasts for maybe since, from about when they started. One of the first ones was the Ricky Gervais show with Carl Pilkinson. And it was something that I listened to nonstop when it was, when it was originally out. And then my love for podcasting grew. And yeah, got to the point where I wanted to make podcasts. And if my um, internet stalking has has served me well, you um, <laughs> you uh, you started in May two thousand nineteen. Yeah, that's right. Um, that's right. The first one it wasn't called the Germany Experience, was it? Didn't it have another name? It it did. It it had the the name. Let me just remember what it was. I think it was called. Expat Life Germany, it was. That's what it was called. Right. Expat Life Germany. And then I changed it to the Germany experience maybe a year later, 10 months to a year later. So what I was actually interested in was, did the podcast take off during the pandemic or was the audience well-established already before that? It started, no, it was already growing. I had a lot of growth not immediately, and I think uh, anyone who started a podcast realizes that sometimes it's a long, slow grind before before things start kicking in and happening. Uh, th with for me, it was the same. I started the first few months, but then from about six months in, I started having some guests with bigger social networks and uh, Instagram followers and YouTubers and so on. And then it started growing uh, uh, quickly from there. And by the time the pandemic hit, it it was already doing pretty well with in terms of growth at least for me like for, for what i was hoping for when i started mm. and then i found during the pandemic it was kind of i think people were listening differently because it was just a case of you know a lot of new people were discovering it yes but but i think people had a lot more time to listen to back episodes and things like that um but i felt it was it did i didn't have that much growth during the pandemic but it was again afterwards when, when everything was over i also got a lot more momentum coming in um, but 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 these things are exponential. I think with podcasts, like you get to a certain point where you grow, and it's very difficult. It takes time, and then you get to a point where it's almost like a tipping point, and then it it becomes a little easier right. from there. You run, well, at least you ran the Germany experience um, single handedly, um, mm. which must have been quite a lot of work. And you yep. know, Nick's made reference to your current show, which you co-host with Nina. Is it far preferable, in your opinion? to be co-hosting a show rather than having to do it by yourself? It it depends because I think the problem with the Germany experience and um, I actually, I think the last episode of the Germany experience came in March 2023, if I'm not mistaken, March or April 2023, I decided to stop the Germany experience. Like you said, I was doing it solo, but the problem was not the fact that I was doing it solo, but for me, it it was always a, a guest-based show. I had a different guest for every episode. And what that meant was pre-interview with the guest. Uh, first of all, finding the guests. like That that was always a difficult thing. Then pre-interview with the guest, preparing a topic, coming up with questions. Then I would prepare my questions and the script, or not a script, but the points, the talking points for the podcast. Then scheduling it and then recording it and then afterwards editing and, and so on. That altogether was a lot. But the, the, the guest part 
was a lot of work in itself. That was almost like three quarters of the work is, is finding the guests and preparing the guests. And that became too much. So it was more a case of not that I was alone um, hosting on my own, but it was just the amount of work that I had to put in to produce a single episode. And I, I was very editing heavy because I, I like to make conversations flow. And that was something that that took a lot of time afterwards. And with Nina, we started Everyday Germany, but she'd been on a few episodes of the Germany experience. And she, Nina is amazing because she's a natural conversationalist. And when we talk with each other, it, the conversation flows very naturally. And I didn't have to do much editing afterwards. So first of all, it was easy with Nina. And second of all, editing afterwards was a matter of half an hour instead of the two to three hours it was taking me to edit a Germany Experience podcast before. So that was more, it was more the nature of the work and the amount of work that we had to put in. And and when you were doing the um, the Germany Experience, did you ever worry that you were basically just having the same conversation just with a different guest every time? Like yeah. the same questions, like how do I not make this stale? Very much so, very much so. And, and, and the, it, this is a difficult thing to say because I loved speaking to every single one of my guests and I still miss that. I still miss hearing different people's stories because people's people's stories are all different. But what the thing is, is the core experiences are very much similar from guest to guest, the main, the big, the big experiences. And it's the difficulty learning languages and the, the, the difficulty with uh, dealing with Germans and making friends and all these things. So it, it was these kinds of things that I think I did 130 or something episodes of the German experience. After 130 episodes, I thought there's not much more information I can provide for people. Like there's not much more help I can give people. And so I put it, put put the Germany experience on a hiatus, but I will probably come back to it at some point when I feel like I figure out the format that I want to do. Um, it, it won't be the same thing, like telling the stories in the same way. I'd like to tell stories a bit differently, um, but I need to be in a place where I feel like I've got the time and energy that I can put into um delivering a format that I feel would be interesting for listeners again. Right, right. And so Everyday Germany, obviously it's interesting because Nina's German. Well, she's yeah. sort of half German, arguably. She's half German. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, I, 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 I think she is more German than anything else because she's also American. But uh, the German, German is a bit stronger, but she won't admit pretty German. <laughs> <laughs> don't, don't tell her I said that. No, I mean, this isn't going out on a podcast or anything, is it? <laughs> so just asking for a friend, uh, in your opinion, what works and what doesn't work in the English language Life in Germany podcast space? Oh, good question. I, I mean, it's I can only answer personally. I don't have like st statistics and stuff, but the things that I, I don't know. It's a good question. I mean, I think one of the funniest episodes I've heard is when you talked about the three-star review. I thought that was hilarious. <laughs> it's like... You know, people either, haters are going to hate or people are going to love it, but... <laughs> like, what's the three star? Like, come on. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. I'm, you know what I found is that I think something that I always thought would make a big difference is sound quality. And I think it does to a degree, but also, I mean, you've heard some of our episodes with Everyday Germany. We don't always have the best audio quality for every episode. And that's never been something that people have complained about when when reviewing badly or complaining about the... The show. Except for Simon, except for except for you, I've, I know I've yeah. never complained. You have been. I've never no, complained. No, you don't complain. You 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 highlight certain <laughs> aspects, <laughs> which I do appreciate as well. But but the other things, I don't know. It's it's difficult. I am. I, um, I think anything that provides people an insight into possible solutions to common problems, I think I think helps. I mean, the German experience. 
was good because of that, despite the fact that a lot of the things were the same every episode, people had a slightly different way of approaching it or, or something that they would say that would inspire people in different ways. And also a big part of my listenership for German experience were Americans still in America, either fantasizing about moving to Germany or who are in the process of making plans to make their move to Germany. And that was a very big part, a surprisingly large part of my listenership. And I think for a lot of episodes, I would think of them, like what would they need to know in their fantasies or, or in their plans that could interest them, inspire them, or you know, make it interesting for them. So that was something I thought about a lot. I know that you and Nina went to a, um, a live uh, show, live podcast show, in, I think in Nuremberg or Augsburg, I can't remember. Nuremberg. Nuremberg, yeah. yeah. Um, so did that give you any insight into the German language podcast scene? Uh, I guess you also know, Simon, we had a German podcast as well, Nina and I. I do we didn't just have the English one. We had the Die Deutsche und der Ausländer, uh, the, which is the German and the foreigner. We did um, we did a German language for about 50 episodes um, of that podcast. And yeah, so so that gave us some insights. And the live event that we were at was a very good thing. It's called the Podcast Browser, and it's a very cool event. Um, I just wish they did some in English, um, but it's a, a German-focused podcast and I don't I don't listen to German podcasts unfortunately because I hear enough German in my everyday life and when I'm relaxing and chilling out I want to hear stuff in English but it was interesting talking to those podcasters and and and, and just learning from them as well do the German podcasts do things particularly differently or I don't think so a different approach I, th I think it's all, it, it just all depends on the show but but I I hear like um a lot of what I saw at the the, the live German podcast, it, it, it's it's pretty much the same thing. The one one that I saw, oh God, I can't remember what it was called now. But there were two FC Nuremberg fans, like just talking about the latest games and how the the, the club is doing and stuff. I think I know which podcast you mean, actually. Yeah, uh, I've listened to that a few times. Yeah, and they were um they were interesting, but but it's pretty much the same as like as I've heard in like American football podcasts in English. You know, I don't think that they they specifically do very much differently to. To what I think everyone in the podcast space has, has got the same limitations and is also struggling with the same difficulties in getting heard and you know getting found on these platforms. I mean, what was it like doing a podcast in in German? Because that's like I feel that's very much beyond my my language capabilities. Did, did you feel more nervous about it, or more oh my God. were you more prepared for it? Or oh, no, I um, <laughs> I can't remember how it started with that idea. But but Nina and I wanted to do a podcast with Nina because she'd been a uh, like I said earlier, guest a few times on the German experience and she's really fun and easy to talk to. And I thought a way of challenging myself would be to do a German podcast. For me, it was a, ver it was a stressful thing. And also listening back to it, editing it and listening to myself speak German. It mm. was really brutal for me. Like I would hear myself on the podcast while I was editing it and I'd be like, why does anyone want to speak to me in German like in, in everyday life? Like I get why people would not want to speak to me because it was horrendous to listen to. But what was interesting was I got a lot of feedback later on that people listened to it to learn. And I was like, that's even more horrendous to me because, because you should not be learning from me. But they were, they, it, it gave uh, other people who were still learning German a bit more confidence to think, okay, if this guy is willing to put himself out there and talk on a podcast and whatever, then I could also, and Nina speaks very good German, so they could learn from her as well. So people were actually using it as a learning tool, which was which was pretty cool and very unexpected for me. Um, but yeah, for me, it was just very difficult because also preparing the my thoughts and preparing the episodes, I would have to do it in English and then translate it to German and then speak in German. And it was just, it was also quite a strain. But I feel like you do, you, you inadvertently did something that is, is something that I recommend when I'm, when I'm teaching English. Mm -hmm. 
which is to listen to yourself speak yeah. the language, you know, and you can hear like mostly what I want my students to hear are the vowel sounds, you know, I yeah. want to hear like, and it's the same way you'll hear like the, the, the aspects of your native language that you're still introducing into your, into your German and, yeah. and how you do umlauts. I think umlauts are such a big thing. Yeah. Like screw them up and you can really have a big problem. Yes, you can. You can. Just sentence order. All of these things can be really like, it must've been a really, a really useful tool eventually once you got past the, the kind of a discomfort of listening to yourself speak it. Yeah. yeah. I mean, we did 50 episodes of it and I don't think I fully got over the horror of listening to myself. But what, <laughs> what I would do is before that, whenever I would hear like maybe on an incidental recording, someone made a video in a, in a social setting where I was talking, I would instantly not listen to myself because it was, I just didn't want to hear it because it sounded so terrible and I was a bit embarrassed and whatever else. So I never actually listened. And I think, like you say, Nick, I think one of the best ways to learn a language is to listen to yourself um, speaking it. And it forced me to listen to myself for 50 episodes and sometimes more than once when like the episode was up, sometimes I would just listen to for a quality check. And it never got easier to listen to myself speaking German, but I think it helped my German because I realized, wow, I keep doing this. I keep there was there's certain habits that I keep doing at the end of sentences or I keep saying this or I keep putting the words in the English grammatical format every time in this kind of sentence. And then you start realizing it, picking it up when you do it in everyday life and then you think, okay, I, I'm doing it now. And then, so it definitely helped my German to improve to do that. Yeah, I think, uh, I think I'll avoid it for the moment. <laughs> Maybe I'll wait 10 years. I will recommend. I think it's more, <laughs> more stress than it's worth. <laughs> But like my big thing is like just switching languages. I have such a, and, and because I feel like with, with the kids having been born and having to speak as much English as I'm speaking at the moment, yeah. I regress a lot. Yeah. And so when it's time to, when it's German time, you know, it's like, blah, <laughs> just like bills out and you're like, oh, that's the sentence order is terrible. <laughs> like give me 10 minutes of speaking and then it'll be okay. Yeah. You know, like, but you don't have 10 minutes when you're ordering at the butchers no. or something like that. No. You're like, oh, you got to do this once yeah. and that's it. And, and it's still it's still amazing, like when you're when you're out and about and you have to, like you say, you, you're in a, a a bar setting, for example, and you're trying to speak in German, and then suddenly you're struggling with those words, and and you just think these people just think I'm an idiot. They think they don't realize I'm like I, I actually not as stupid as I'm coming across right now. But yeah, well, I had it today. I was in the I just got on the lift at work, and I pressed the button, and I pressed the wrong button, and I was like, and there was a woman in the lift with us, and I got to the stop that I'd pressed for, and I said, like, oh no, it's a false stock. And the woman just replied to me in English, went, yeah, well, you know, it happens. And I was like, how did you know? I was like, three words I used there. Like, how did you know? Like, what was it I did there that was like, was it the, was it the foul, the ending? Was it the wrong what order? I'm pretty sure it was good. And, and, I, and I, of course, I didn't say that. I just went, oh, yeah, yeah. Oh, silly me. And I just like got on with my life. But it's desperately upsetting yeah. when you sort of don't pass. Yeah, you know? yeah. And it happens oh, daily. Dear me. Yeah, it does indeed. It does indeed. Um, sadly, that's all the time we were sort of have uh, to, uh, this week. I know it's a, it's a bummer, but we're definitely going to have to have you back on, Sean. Yes, that, was, that was delightful. It was really, really good. Very, that, this was fun. Um, if you want to hear more of Sean and his co-host Nina, you can listen to them on the Everyday Germany podcast. When's that out? Uh, that comes <laughs> It comes out when it, when it comes out, okay, Nick. I feel like you're Fair attacking enough. me. Sorry, right. sorry, you're attacking me right now. It's out when it's out. Realize, I didn't realize that. Though. I'm sorry, I, I stepped in it there. The Apologies. Pl the, the plan is on a Monday, uh, on a weekly basis, on Mondays. But every now and then we miss weeks, and we or it comes out on a Wednesday. So it's it's all very relaxed. But the episodes come out sometime. Okay. Well, you just have to check the the, the feed. Uh, I think I listen to it on Spotify, but I'm assuming it's available on yeah. all good. Uh, podcast yes what we call them like podcast apps catches whatever you want and you can go to everydaygermany.de 
to, to find all the places that it's available. Yeah, listeners, go and go and have a listen. Go and enjoy that. Yeah. Like I said, listen to the most recent episode uh, just this week. And uh, yeah, I can't say I'm a massive fan of NFL, but you and Nina did a sterling job. Ah, thanks. Having, having <laughs> st- stayed up so late to watch it. Uh, and so I didn't have to. Um, but yeah, thanks again, Sean. Thanks, Nick. Cheers, thanks, Sean. Simon. brings us to the end of the show if you're enjoying the podcast why not give us a rating on apple podcasts which only takes a minute and can really help us you can also rate us on spotify so chuck some stars our way there as well retweet us share a link or post with the hashtag decades from home or lowercase on twitter as ever if you have any questions feedback or maybe an article or topic you'd like us to cover you can tweet dilly on at dilly and you can tweet me at 40 percent german you can also get us on decadesfromhome at gmail.com if you have time take a look at 40 percent german.com weekly articles are up every saturday all I have to say is thanks and bis zum nächsten Mal. Tschüss. Tschüss.